Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I want to thank everyone for taking a few minutes out of your morning to join us and to study along with us. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 this morning as we look at what the Holy Spirit has to say in regards to the family. Jeremy's going to be preaching on the idea of parenting and some of the principles that are laid out in regards to the role that parents should have uh, in the lives of their children and within their families. We thought we may take a little bit of a broader approach to that this morning uh, for the sake of the radio program and just look at the family as a whole. And and Ephesians chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6 is a place that, that many people are familiar with as, as Paul here writes to the, the brethren in Ephesus and deals with the roles of the husband and the wife and mother and father and children and the relationships that they should have. And so we're going to just take a look at that this morning as we explore what the Lord wants us to be as his children in that regard. So Jeremy, why don't you get us started as you've been preparing for this, uh, this sermon on parenting, uh, when you kind of step back and take a broader look at the family as a whole, uh, where do you want to start the conversation in regards to what we're supposed to do with that? Well, I think we're going to start all the way back to the beginning of the book of Genesis. I mean, you know, it, it's interesting as you start to think about the family. A lot of times we're, we're drawn, and we're going to talk about Ephesians chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, and, and a lot of times we're drawn to that passage because it talks very specifically about the roles that God has laid out there for the husband, for the wife, for the children, even for the parents, and, and certainly those, those roles are defined for us. But if we take a lot of steps back, I mean, biblically speaking, God has a lot to say about the family. Mm-hmm. Certainly the roles that, that each are to, to hold, but even examples of, of a, the way a family should work, even mm-hmm. examples of the way a family shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that throughout God's Word. And I do find it interesting, I've thought a lot about it here in the last couple of days, that even from the very, very beginning, I mean, at the outset of creation, at the outset of the, the first man and the first woman, God is establishing principles for marriage. I mean, at the very, very beginning, you get the the passage about leaving and cleaving, even though they don't even have parents (laughs) to leave and cleave. I mean, as the, you know, as the first people, but yet he's establishing principles for the family very, very early, even in the creation of woman. I'm going to make you a helper comparable to you. I mean, and so now you're starting to see principles literally from the very outset of creation. You know, Jesus will get into a conversation uh, himself about divorce and, you know, the fact that, hey, Moses allowed this. What's the big deal? And, And Jesus makes the point, listen, from the very beginning, God establishes a husband and a wife to be together and for that union to last forever. And, and Jesus makes the point, from the very beginning, that was the case. And so I, I find it interesting that God, I mean, literally from the very first pages of your Bible, he is establishing principles about the family. And, and I don't think our culture 
is necessarily new in going against those principles mm-hmm. and roles. I and mean, we could talk more about that as we move forward. I, I certainly think our culture is doing that. But I think culture probably for all time has kind of gone against that a little yeah. bit and kind of, you know, headbutted against God's principles. But And I think that's why he's laid it out for us so clearly and even so from the very beginning. Yeah, and it, Paul even quotes from Genesis chapter 2 here in, here in his writings to the Christians in Ephesus in chapter 5. And in doing so, he's doing exactly what you just said. He's bringing forward these principles that God had put in place from the very beginning and establishing the fact that these same principles still apply today. When it comes to God's view of the family and the purpose of the family and the way that God designed it, nothing has changed. And the beauty of it is that when you go all the way back to the beginning, what we see is that God and the way that he designed the family did so in a very simplistic way. It's not complicated. No. It's husband and wife. They're together forever. They raise children, and they train them up in the ways of the Lord. It's not a complicated process that God put in place. And yet we, and I say that in general, society as a whole, and I think you're right, it's not exclusive to us as Americans. We can go back even to the early stages of human existence. It didn't take long for man to complicate what God made simple when it comes to the family. And it has been that way ever since. And I think Paul, as he's writing to these Christians in Ephesus, he's encouraging them to get back to the basics. Remember how simple God created this family unit to be. And yet look at how society has complicated it and messed it up and ended up debating about certain things. If we do it the way that God intended from the very beginning, it is simple, it is straightforward, and it is effective in the way that God designed it. Yeah, and it it, it is designed to flourish this relationship. You know, I think sometimes we you know we put into our mind that listen, if we're, we're doing God's will when it comes to with regards to marriage specifically mm-hmm. or the family, if we just don't get divorced, right. you know, right. I, I'm not getting divorced because God doesn't like that; He hates mm-hmm. divorce. But yet, listen, there's not a lot of love there. There's not a lot of blessing that's coming there's certainly on a flourishing relationship and and we're missing the point that you know God's role his picture of the family isn't exclusive to don't get divorced right it, it is a it is a picture full of love it is a picture full of support it is a picture full of teaching uh, certainly God's ways and bringing children up with that mindset and, and it is a it is a, a relationship that is intended to lift up the husband, Mm -hmm. to lift up the wife, to lift up the children, Mm -hmm. to lift up them as parents. I mean, to lift everyone up, that is the picture, not just kind of the ball and chain kind of cliche that we we throw out there and we're just going to stay together because we don't want to disobey God or we don't want to dis you know we don't want to cause problems for the kids that's Mm -hmm. not that's not God's picture of of this relationship it is a relationship that can be a beautiful thing that can be a huge blessing when it comes to you know certainly doing it God's way when we get down into the latter half of chapter five when he starts talking about specifically the husband wife relationship relationship. He's, he's comparing that and you paralleling it to Christ and the church. Yeah. And certainly if, if we thought about the relationship between Christ and the church and we thought about this, well, they're just kind of coexisting or they don't really like each other, but they, they're not pushing each other away necessarily. Or there's not really a whole lot of growth. But, I mean, that, that would automatically signal a problem if we thought that that's the relationship that Christ and the church were to have. And yet to your point, we've kind of fallen into this trap of thinking, well, as, as 
long as my as my husband and wife, as long as they don't separate, as long as they don't divorce, or as long as you know nobody beats the kids, or as long as these kids aren't doing anything crazy, then we're all fine. That that is just not the picture that God has given for His family. And by using Christ in the church as the example, He makes that even clearer that this is supposed to be a relationship uh, of growth, a relationship of love, a relationship of submission, a relationship of unity. And, and if we don't see our family in that regard, and if we don't hold that as our standard within our family, then we're doomed to fail. And it has nothing to do at the end of the day with whether or not the parents stay together. That that. It's far down the list because there's so much more that God intends for the family to be and to accomplish as opposed to just coexisting. Yeah, you know, and I think it's interesting, even in our culture, who's uh, we're so far away, certainly in acceptance of of what God has established as his his picture of what the family should be. But even in that, rarely do you see even people involved in broken families that will say this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we even acknowledge that people who get divorced, that's destructive for the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, we, we acknowledge that people who, or, or kids who are, are brought up with just one parent instead of both is not a, a, not a great thing. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we even acknowledge that. But yet in all of that acknowledgement, there's still that, you know, certainly that temptation to go in that direction. And, and I find it interesting that, that God, and you're right, this simplistic nature of what he's set up. I mean, it's it comes down to love. It comes down to support, certainly submission. It comes down to help and being there for one another. It comes down to discipline and teaching. And those are very simple things to grab hold of. And, it, you know, it's certainly it's something within all of us to be able to do mm-hmm. as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as children. I love the way Paul begins chapter 5 because I think he, in a lot of ways, kind of lays the foundation for what he's going to talk about and why he's going to give the instructions that he gives. When he begins chapter 5 by saying, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And then he goes on, he'll, he'll talk about walking in light, and he'll talk about living a, a, a wise life, and then he'll talk about the family relationships. But all of that is based on the foundation that's laid here in chapter, or chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2. We're to do all of these things because we're striving to be imitators of Christ. Yeah. And we're doing all of these things in love because of what Christ has done for us. And so I approach the relationship that I have with my wife with that as my foundation. Mm-hmm. That I'm going to love her and I'm going to respect her and I'm going to encourage her and I'm going to lift her up. Because I'm trying to imitate Christ yeah. and I recognize what he has done for me. And I'm going to love and I'm going to teach and I'm going to instruct my children because I'm trying to imitate Christ and I understand and, and respect what he has done for me. That has to be the foundation for how we act within our families and the roles that we have within our families. And if we keep that at the forefront, then it's going to make it a whole lot easier for us to fulfill the roles that God wants us to fulfill within our family because we're doing so from a place of love and appreciation for what's been done for us. Whereas if we take that part out of it, if that's not at the, at the foundation of why we're doing all of this, then it's a whole lot easier to lash out at my kids because I don't really have any reason not to. or I'm not really holding myself up to some standard that says don't do that. 
But if, if Christ is my standard and I recognize what he's done for me, then the natural result of that is to show love and respect and, and to try and build each other up within our families. Yeah, I mean, listen, Christ is the greatest example that we can have for any aspect of our life. And, and Paul, he, he's apt to use them all the time, and, and, and rightly so. And he, he makes the point that he, even he himself, he is an imitator of Christ. And that's why he, he calls on you know some of his readers to imitate him because he imitates Christ. Christ. And that's exactly where he is here. He, he puts Christ up and he says, Let, let's aspire to this. Let's aspire to this kind of love, as you made mention here in chapter 5. He'll bring it up again, really, at the very end when he's talking to, to husbands. I mean, he, he puts Christ up there again and he says, listen, when it comes to loving your wife, you love her the way that Christ loved the church and, and gave himself for it. And so it, it, Jesus is always set up as the example for us to, to look to and to turn to. And again, yeah, he is the perfect example for the family. Even God himself as a father and as he is depicted of caring for his children and what he does for them is a great example for the parents that are among us. I mean, it is deity that's set up that can be used as a perfect example for the family mm-hmm. in every way. And I think it's interesting in the way that Paul goes right to it. And he says, listen, you look to Christ, you walk in love. I think even establish the context even a little bit further down into chapter 5 before we roll into exactly you know the roles that he's laid out. When he gets to 15, 16, and 17, he, he really paints it as something between something that wise people do mm-hmm. and something that fools do. Yep. And, and it comes down to, listen, don't be a fool, be wise. And what that is in verse 17, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the, will of the Lord is. And God, in his wisdom, as we've already said multiple times, he's given us directly what his will is with regards to the family here in this direct context. But even in general, it's a pretty strong point. Foolish people go against God's way. Wise people go with and inside of God's way. And that is kind of established for us right here. Yeah, and, and when we recognize that the family is God's design yeah. and that he created it, then that changes, I think, our approach to the roles that we have within our family. I don't get to choose my role. Mm-hmm. God has chosen my role for me because he designed it. It's, right. his. it's his. And so if I want to be wise and not foolish and walk in his ways and not my own, then that means I have to fulfill the roles that he has established for me. And for my wife, she doesn't get to choose her role. God has chosen her role for her. And so she has a responsibility to fulfill that in order to walk according to God's commandments. The same with children. And I think sometimes our, our society has become... Uh, so predicated that we get to decide every single thing. You know, I get to choose myself what I'm going to do and where I'm going to go and who I'm going to be and all of those things, and nobody else has any say in it. If that is the mentality that we take towards the family, then we need to recognize we are cutting God out of it, and we are denying the fact that He is the creator and the establisher of the family. When you create something, you have control over it. Right. That's a pretty simple uh, principle to understand. If you, if you built a car, you get to decide who gets in that car. You get to decide who drives that car. You get to decide where it goes. As God designed the family, he gets to determine who fulfills which roles. He gets to set it up the way that he sees best. And we have to respect that and recognize that as, if I understand that, and I see that God did that, and he did so for my benefit, 
then it is now my responsibility to fulfill the role that he has given to me. And that makes doing so much easier Yeah, because it's not me trying to figure out what's my role within my family? How do I do all of this? It's me looking to God's word and saying, tell me, Lord, tell me what you want me to be as a father and as a husband. That makes, again, we go back to the, what we were talking about earlier. That simplifies this so much if we allow God to direct our roles within our families, if we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and inform us as to how he wants us to behave as fathers, as husbands, as mothers, as wives, it becomes so much easier to structure your family in the way that God wants it structured. And that's really, I think, a great segue to you know getting into the specifics in chapter 5 and verse 22, because I think that point is made at the very outset. When Paul is talking directly about wives, when he, when he says wives submit to your own husbands, you know a lot of times, certainly culturally, it, when you have people that point to you know the antiquated Bible as you know it, it, it stopped right there, submit to your own husbands. But you know the verse goes on as to the Lord, and and yeah. I think that point is there based off of what you just said. Mm-hmm. It, it is God. God has created marriage. He has created this bond. He has created the roles that we are to fill. He, he is the one that he is set the standard. And so you have this idea from the very outset that wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, that that he is the one. And so for a, a wife in, in thinking about the role that they fill and in her relationship to her husband, what is directing all of that is her relationship to God. What is directing all of that is her thought processes towards God. That, listen, God is the one who directs my life, and here is a direction that he has given me. And, and, And I think you're exactly right. When that is understood... I mean, it becomes much easier. I mean, it does. It it becomes so much easier for the wife, for the husband. He does the exact same thing, too. Mm -hmm. Even for the children. Mm -hmm. Again, God is brought to the forefront when it comes to the children. And even as parents, when you get into chapter 6. Again, God, he is the one that's, that's lifted up in all four instances. God is the one, Jesus is the one that's pointed to directly. Yeah, and if, if we look at it from the perspective that, that these relationships between a husband and wife are to be in parallel with Christ in the church, then we recognize that, that as, as the church, we know that what Christ has done, he has done for us and yeah. for our benefit. And so you ask me to submit to him, of course I'm going to submit to him. Look what he's done for me. And Christ, if we are behaving in the way that he wants us to as his church, the love that he has for us is immense, and it's obvious. And those those two relationships work so well together when the church is fulfilling its role, and of course Christ is going to fulfill his role. And so then when we look at that from the perspective of the husband-wife relationship, when we see that the wife is to submit to her husband— if she is fulfilling her role and the husband is fulfilling his role, then this is going to be a really easy thing for both of them to do. Right. It's going to be a very natural fit for the wife to submit to her husband. It's going to be a very natural fit for the husband to lead and to love and to encourage his wife. When we're both fulfilling our roles, that becomes so much easier. But it's when, it's when one or both right. decide that they want to go outside of the roles that God has given a husband and wife that's when this becomes really hard because if you're in a if you're in a marriage where a wife is not submitting to her husband, it's going to be really hard for the husband to love his wife. Mm-hmm. Or if the husband isn't loving his wife, it's going to be really hard for that wife to submit to his husband. When we go outside of the roles and we try and do things on our own and try and walk in our own steps, 
then this becomes much more complicated and it becomes a much harder thing to work in the way that God wants it to because we are now trying to do things outside of the way that he has designed it to work. I think you're right. And usually when that happens, you know, although maybe it may start with one person going outside of their roles, it's not very long before you're usually you're going to have both. Yeah. Because it's it's so hard yeah. to do it. This, this what we have in Ephesians chapter five is the way to get it done. God has He has designed it for what man needs. Mm-hmm. He has designed it for what works best for man, the wife and the husband included. He, he has not designed this with the husband fully in mind. I'm going to design this, and it's going to work so much better for the husband, and the wife just got the short end of the stick. I mean. Yeah. If we are painting that picture, I mean, think about what then we're saying about God. Is yeah. that is that really what we think God is going to do in the way that he operates in some almost vengeful way, uh, you know, or degrading way to the yeah. wife? I, I just, I, in no way does God operate that way. He operates in a way that is best for all men. And the, what is best for all man is given to us right here. And you find yourself in that kind of relationship, and you start to see the, the rightness, the, the wisdom in that. Or you find yourself not in this, you start to realize pretty quickly, man, we step outside of, of God's way, and we've got a train wreck mm-hmm. that's coming. And it, it's a disaster. Yeah. And it, it's very difficult if you've got even one outside of what God has lined up for the husband and the wife, even one outside of that, mm-hmm. how complicated and just difficult it, it comes to, to moving forward in that relationship. Yeah, you're, you're so right. I think if, because I've heard, I've heard this too, where, you know, people think of this idea of the wife submitting to her husband as in some way degrading to the wife in the relationship. If that's really what you think, if, that, if that's really the approach that you want to take to this passage of Scripture, then you also have to take the approach that the Lord doesn't think very highly of his church. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, yeah. That's the only logical connection that you have to make if that's, your go- if that's going to be your response to this, that this is in some way degrading to the wife, then Christ doesn't think very highly of the church. Christ died for the church. Uh, you, uh, there's, there's nothing that he could have done to show that he held it in higher regard than what he did. And I think that is exactly what's being displayed here. And that's how he wants us to see this, that, that he holds his church in the absolute highest regard. He literally gave his life for it. That's what he thinks of the wife and the husband-wife relationship. That's what he wants the husband, that's how he wants the husband to view his wife and to think of his wife, to love her so much that he would give himself up for her. That's, that's the way we have to see this. And so in no way, shape, or form is this degrading. And if, it, and if that's the approach that someone wants to take, then the next step in how they're going to argue this becomes much more complicated when you have to answer how Christ feels about the church. And I think that's one of the reasons why he makes that parallel here in Ephesians chapter 5 is because he wants to leave no doubt yeah. as to the, the relationship and the love that is shared and the mutual respect that a husband and wife are to have. Yeah, and listen, that, that's not even a step that we've got to take. I mean, you make a point that's made right for us here in Scripture in verse 25 mm-hmm. of chapter 5. You know, that, that's not a, listen, I, I know the church is used here, and then I'm going to take the next step that, you know, Christ, he gave himself for the, I mean, listen, we're, yeah. we don't have to take those steps. No. I mean, it's right here. 
here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I mean, it is right here. It's not a step that we have to take. It's right there. And it puts us in understanding the parallel, certainly, that's used mm-hmm. between the husband and wife and Christ and the church. And to understand the incredible value that Christ has laid on the church. His love is so immense and so indescribable, he gave his life for it. And that is the level that the husband is to love the wife. And not, you know, listen, aspire to get near this, or you can't quite get this high, but do your very best. Mm -hmm. It is just like this, the way Christ loved the church, husbands are to love your wives. I mean, just like that. Mm -hmm. And the point is made, listen, so much so he gave his own life for Mm -hmm. it. He'll go on to talk about the the cherishing and nourishing that a husband should have for, you know, for the wife. And again, you you start to pick, point all of those things in one direction, and everything is pointed towards God. The wives, they're pointed towards God. The husbands, they're pointed towards God. The children, Mm -hmm. they're pointed towards God. The parents, specifically the fathers in chapter 6 and verse Mm -hmm. 4, they're pointed towards God. Everybody is pointed towards God. And when that's the case, now we're working wise. We're walking circumspectly. Now everything is being fulfilling. There's incredible blessings that come. And all of that is just, I mean, you're overflowing from the goodness that God, he, he has created this to be an incredible blessing, and certainly mm-hmm. it can be. We haven't talked a whole lot about children, but you mentioned there that at the beginning of chapter 6, he brings children into the mix here when talking about the family and gives them some very basic instructions right off the bat. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. And that, that again, goes back to the relationship that the husband and wife have, and if they are fulfilling their roles to each other, and they are structuring the family in the way that God wants it structured, then this commandment to children is going to be very easy for them to fulfill, or at least easier for them to fulfill, because they're going to see parents who love each other, They're going to see parents who are putting God first in their marriage. They're going to see parents who are trying to train them up in the ways of the Lord. And it's going to become much easier for the parent or the children then to obey their parents. And so all of this works together. You know, sometimes I think we we can run the risk of trying to to isolate the different roles and see, you know, and, and what each of us are supposed to do. And there's benefit in that. But really, this is all structured to work as one unit. We're all working at this together. And if we're all doing our roles in the way that God wants them to do, then all of us are going to be able to accomplish this in a much better way than we would have trying to do it individually. It's a, it's a team effort all the way around. And if the wives and the husbands are doing their, their part, then it's going to be easier for the children than to do their part. Yeah, and he, and he puts this idea of, of children obeying their parents. And, and, and I think it's interesting, he makes the point there in, in verse 2 of chapter 6, you know, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. I, you know, what he's doing is he's, he, he's pointing back and to say, listen, it, it's been this way. It's, it's mm-hmm. been this way from the very beginning. And I think, again, that goes with where we went all the way back to the book of Genesis. That th- mm-hmm. This is God's plan for the family from the very outset of creation of man. You know, that this was in God's mind before the creation of the world, mm-hmm. that this was to be the case. This was to be the way the family operates. You have a husband and a wife who love each other and are there for each other, who have children who are obedient to those loving parents and who have those parents who are now leading their children in the way that they certainly ought to be. 
towards God for sure. And this is how this is how future generations will continue to grow in the Lord is if they see this within their own families as they grow up. When children grow up in homes where they see mothers and fathers who love each other and love them recognize what Christ has done for them and structure their lives around serving Him, then as they grow up, they're going to learn how to be a husband or how to be a wife, how to be a father, how to be a mother. And so as, as parents, not only do we have the responsibility of training our children, making sure they don't do stupid things when they're young, certainly that's part of it, but also in doing so, we're training them to be the husbands and the fathers and the wives and the mothers that they're going to need to be one day. And so as, as parents, we have a huge responsibility in that regard to make sure that we're training up our children and giving them an example to look at for what the Lord expects the family to be. Because if we're not there to be that example for them, then they're going to get that example from the world, and they're right. going to see how the world has decided to structure a family. And that's going to create problems in generations to come when they no longer see what God intended for them to see growing up. Yeah, you know, one more point I'll make about chapter 6 and verse 4 before our time is up. You know, all, you know my entire lesson on Sunday is going to be just directly on parents. And, you know, the, one of the points that's going to be made, and certainly biblically made, and you have right here in chapter 6 and verse 4, I, I think today it's easy for, you know, parents to get confused about what their job mm-hmm. is as a parent, and and we we paint that in in forty five different ways that we've got to we've got to head them in this direction. We've got to get them here. We've got to get them here. We've got to got to we've got to have them. Lots of things on the list. Mm-hmm. But again, we've talked so much about simplicity already. And, and what I like about chapter six and, and verse four about parents is, is you have God reiterating that as a parent. You have one job. Mm-hmm. That's it. One job that matters. That is all. You have one thing. You bring them up and you train them in the admonition of the Lord. That is it. That is the only thing that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. All those other things, schooling and sports and, and all that, uh, you know, those, those things are okay. Mm-hmm. But you, you have one job. And if you fail in that one job, you have failed them completely. It doesn't matter how much money they ultimately make. It doesn't matter if they are the greatest athlete that there's ever been. If you don't treat them or train them in the admonition of the Lord, you have failed as a parent. And it is, it is the one thing, the most important thing, certainly as a parent, that we've got to put into our mind. Absolutely. Well, that's a, that's a great place to wrap things up for this morning. So thank you for uh, taking some time to study along with us. Again, Jeremy's going to be preaching on this topic Sunday morning. We'd encourage you to come and join us. We'll meet for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by worship at 10 a.m., and again at 6 p.m. Sunday evening. Uh, His sermon will be available online as well if you can't join us in person, so check out traderspointchurch.org as well as our Facebook page uh, for the links to those audio files. So thanks again for your time this morning, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.